Hey, Keith, did you see Fox just announced they're going to be doing a prequel to 24. I did see that. I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to seeing how taxation of trade routes ended up creating Jack Bauer. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Chief Conrad and Elliot Serrato. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Well, maybe it's one of those other shows, like Outer Limits. Confuse the Twilight Zone with the Outer Limits? Do you even know me? Geek Counter Geek, number 124. I'm Keith Conrad, joined as always by Elliot Serrano, uh, at Keith R. Conrad, at Elliot Serrano, at Geek Counter Geek, Facebook.com slash Geek Counter Geek. There's a lot of news. There's really an embarrassment of riches this week, uh, Elliot, but uh, the the thing that broke probably the the closest to when we decided to uh, record this thing was uh, Patrick Stewart showing up in Las Vegas uninvited and making a really big announcement. Yeah, it looks like the, uh, he will be returning to Star Trek as Jean-Luc Picard. Um, it's it's essentially going to be Jean-Luc Picard later on, you know, past Next Generation. So they're saying it's it's not going to be like a return to the Next Generation crew, or um, I'm guessing maybe not even the Enterprise. Um, but it will be about the life of Jean-Luc Picard. He also made some sort of um, interesting commentary about, you know, he was he thought, well, one, he thought that he'd never be playing the character again after the last um, Trek movie was released. I want to say that was... Um, that, that was Nemesis, and it was in uh, 02, and it 02. seemed like universally, not, not only did the movie not do well, but it seemed like universally everybody had... Uh, uh, you know, a pretty bad time making it. So everybody was kind of like, oh, I guess we're done now. Well, it's because the movies for them, in and of themselves were doing fairly well. And then it, my problem with Nemesis was that um, it just got, it got a little far, too far away from Trek in itself. In, and it had the guy who wrote Gladiator wrote it. I mean, so, so when you're going, oh, let's have the guy who wrote Gladiator do our Star Trek film, I think you're kind of getting away. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he, he was hot at the time. He was the J.J. Abrams. Well, okay, maybe not the J.J. Abrams of the, the day, but, you know, he was hot. He, he, he was coming off mm-hmm. some success. Yeah, coming off some success, and and um, you know it was the I know we were making fun. Well, a lot of people made fun of the whole when J.J. Abrams took over Star Trek that he was just going to take it and turn it into Star Wars, right? And um, all you had to do was look at Nemesis and think, well, you know, they kind of already did that with the next gen crew. You know, it's so much conflict, so much splody, splody stuff, and not as much about the the um, really the the philosophical stuff of Star Trek that people are really accustomed to seeing and and um, and 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 kind of exploring. But anyway, you know, I was really excited about uh, the sort of the initial premise premise of um, of Discovery uh, was that you were actually going to be following like a different, um, you know, a completely different crew and a completely different you know moment in in Starfleet 
history every season. And, you know, I, I think that idea was thrown out, you know, like like a week into writing it. But um, the, the one thing that I, I kind of liked about that is uh, you could actually have a season where, like, in some way, the next generation crew you know, showed up and factored into the into the, the season, even if they weren't starring in it. And I kind of like that idea. Um, this actually kind of presents the same opportunity that, you know, I, I would assume because it's even it's even come up in conversation that, you know, John Luke Picard is at this point the commandant of Starfleet Academy. And that's probably going to be the the story that they're telling here. Uh, if if that's the case, or even if he's just you know at home re- retired and working as a consultant, you could see you know Riker and the either the Titan or whoever's in charge of the Enterprise now. You could see that showing up, and they could do it pretty easily. Yeah, and then Stewart was also making reference to the current dark times that we are in, and how a character like Jean Luc Picard can help bring you know just a bit of light and 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 hope to people so there you can say there's there's a bit of um there's a bit of um fertile ground there are things they can do i mean um for next gen fans if you hold to the end of all good things and you think that's you know the end point where where a lot of these characters are going to go um, you know, we know kind of where Jean-Luc Picard's going to end up. We know where Riker's going to end up. We know where Geordi and a lot of these other characters are going to end up. Or you might think that because Q interfered with the, con- you know, with um, the destinies of these characters that they can go in a different direction. So, well, we already know that you're not going to have the uh, the Enterprise D showing up with the third nacelle. Um, that's not going to happen <laughs> yet <laughs> because uh, all good things. I was supposed to be like 25 years. Actually, you'd be in the ballpark for that. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Cause you, cause there. you got to think a, a few years uh, for, for the time period of the movies, then 20 years after that. So yeah, you're actually right in the ballpark of, yeah. of the, 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 uh, the, the time period they were showing in the, in uh, all good things. And, uh, well, that, that, future wasn't wasn't that rosy but uh, apparently things have changed it, or they could have and again if um if a lot of these characters know what's a, what's ahead for them that can change things for them so and, and right now we're seeing now with kurtzman developing everything alan kurtzman now being the kind of like the 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 showrunner or, or head honcho over all things Trek. Like like it or not, the the comparison. He's the Rick Berman and of the 21st century. That is the that is. I am sorry, and I am sure Alan Kurtzman is a really talented guy. <laughs> I'm sure he's I'm sure he's great to work with and everything. And I'm not saying this because I don't want him to like never want to hire me. <laughs> I'm sure, but I, it just it just does not fill me with the with a lot of of hope or not hope optimism i guess same thing um but you know again we've said this before i've said this before i've eaten plenty of crow um what he was the co-creator of of discovery discovery turned out pretty good yeah see i i a lot of this stuff i mean again 
Brian Fuller was the one who came up with the original conceit for Discovery, from what I understand. He gave them a Bible, a series Bible. He did like the first few episodes, which I guess later on he said they kind of tossed. And yet, you know, you see he had writer's credit on a lot of the stories. So I think he kind of guided it in a particular direction. I think with this this coming season, you're going to see it going on. And of course, we forget that the two showrunners that were run uh, were um, pretty much um, sh- shepherding Discovery after Fuller left were fired. They were like, oh, and they just totally redid that whole um, that the whole um, management crew there. You know, there was talk about, you know, hostile work environments and sexual harassment and stuff like that. So, ooh. Um, but, you know, again, I think right now. Um, well, I, I would in. think that they probably pitched, you know, they, they, even if they haven't written any scripts yet, they probably pitched uh, Patrick Stewart on sort of the basics of what they they envisioned the story being. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and um, Patrick Stewart. I mean, well, yeah. But then again, come on. How many times have we said, you know, what, why would uh, Ewan McGregor turn down an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie? You know, I mean, you're going to turn down the paycheck if they you think if they go to Patrick Stewart. Well, Patrick, we're going to have you do Starfleet Tales and you'll be getting you'll show up in the beginning reading a story like um, a la a la um, Masterpiece Theater. No, what was it? The Family Classics. <laughs> <laughs> like we, that's a, folks. That's a reference to for Chicago folks who get that. You know, Fraser well, Thomas. I, I was I was going to say you know, yeah, family I, I, classics. I was going to say for me it's the uh, it's the Roy Leonard uh, family classics. Not even uh, not even Fraser Thomas. Yeah, uh, see, I remember. Oh man, golly, that's he always stuck in my head. It was always Fraser Thomas. Always stuck in my head, and I was young when I watched those things. I mean. That is like, those are one of the few, like, I mean, we're, I'm talking two, three-year-old Elliot, you know, pushing around on his little hobby horse and seeing Fraser Thomas on TV. Well, so. you know, I'm looking at, uh, I just decided to Google it. Uh, Patrick Stewart has a net worth of $70 million, so I don't think he needs the money. <laughs> Yeah. It's okay. There you go. Um, and, and yes, and he's doing a lot of stuff and it's not like he's fallen out of the public eye or, or, look, or desperate for work. Um, and yeah, and maybe, yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, okay. Keith, I'm going to hold you personally responsible if that show sucks. Cause you got me really optimistic about it. <laughs> Let the record show. <laughs> it's it's all on me. It's all on you. Although my friend Shannon Downey is so excited. Uh, my friend Shannon, um, follow her on um, on um, social media. She's badass cross stitch. She's um, uh, cro- an activist and does a lot of um, um, activists that we call craftivism and teaches a lot of cross stitch and activism. And um, she's also the owner of the world famous Jean-Luc Picard action figure. Oh, she is. Yeah. The the Jean-Luc Picard action figure that I had on stage with me at Wizard World for the Star Trek captains panel that William Shatner then drowned in a pitcher of ice water. Uh, That was classy. 
yeah, it was quite classy. But anyway, so yeah, um, I'm looking. I'm, I'm. I guess I am mildly optimistic or cautiously optimistic. How's that? Cautiously. I'd, optimistic. I'll take that over. Over. You know, we, we've. Uh, over what you had to say at this point in the process with discovery, I think we'll take that. See, but I, that was a roller coaster for me. That it, was a total roller coaster. It was, yeah. I mean, you know, you know the, the results ended up being okay, but I don't think anybody could smugly say, well, Elliot, I told you. I told you it was going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, there, and there are people who hate Discovery. Yeah. Uh, well, I, it's the same thing as, uh, you know, in the, in the same era as, uh, you know, Star Trek Beyond that, you know, I... I, I'm usually the more optimistic one, and I said, you know, if they if they have a story here, they seem to have done a good job of hiding it in all the uh, trailers, and it turned out they did. Yeah, and they also took a a, a world famous um, man of color, Idris Elba, and they did a great job of hiding him under a whole lot of makeup. So, they did, yeah. yes. Yeah, but, <laughs> but so yeah, so um, Patrick Stewart gonna be. Uh, John Luke Picard again. I'm wow. You know, I'm wondering how many more people are now going to go to the CBS All Access app, knowing that. Uh, I, you know, I think that uh, they will actually get some because I know a that there were. I mean, th there were basically only two new original shows on CBS All Access. There was Star Trek Discovery and The Good Fight which um, probably have very different audiences. So if you're going to only have two shows, probably uh, probably a good mix. Um, but they both actually seem to release at about the same time. And I would imagine they had a slew of people uh, unsubscribe because uh, un unlike ESPN, you can unsubscribe from CBS All Access. That's an inside <laughs> joke that three people are going to get, but they'll think it's hilarious. Um <laughs> Uh, so, uh, um, you know, I, I would imagine they had a lot of people drop off and just adding, okay, you're going to have at least those two plus the Twilight Zone plus a Patrick Stewart show, you know, in 2020, they're probably, they're probably feeling pretty good about keeping subscribers. You know, my thing again, and I know we discussed this even in the, in the very beginning when we were talking about the CBS All Access, they're, they're trying to make it seem like. It's a television watching experience. They it debuts at a certain time on a particular day, and you know, unlike Netflix, that will take an entire season of its new show and just just put it up so that people can watch the whole thing. Yeah, I, I think that's you know? a that's a huge mistake, by the way. Just yeah, not, I'm wondering why are, do they feel like they haven't gotten to that point yet where they have a big enough library to do that? You know, if you ask me. I mean, that's really just what people's TV watching habits are now. And if, if you want to get folks um, invested in something, just again, it doesn't hurt Netflix at all when they put the entire Stranger Things season two up. Well, I think, you know, you, know, you, you kind of touched on it that um, and we'll see if this continues when they have more shows coming, you know, coming online at once. But I think it really is the fact that, OK, you know, there was what? 18 episodes in the first season uh, of discovery and so for those 18 weeks they had me and then i was i was gone so if they you know it the the time thing it, it's just idiotic and doesn't matter you know releasing it at 7 30 i think it was on sunday night 7 30 central that that's just stupid you know if you're if you're going to release it at a specific time you don't know, make it 
I don't know, make it midnight or something, you know, so you're, you don't think you're fooling anybody. Um, but uh, releasing them one at a time, I think that is 100% because they, you know, if they released them all at once, people would be binge watching them over a weekend and then they'd be, they'd be unsubscribing. Uh, right now, I guess you're right. I mean, but then um, people binge watch stuff on Netflix all the time and they keep it up. I mean, even when there's well, thing they want to watch. Yeah. I, and I think the difference there is that, you know, Netflix has, you know, loads of stuff in addition to, um, you know, like say Stranger Things there, you can watch back episodes of Futurama and things like that. And CBS, yeah, they get a little bit of that, you know, cause they have their whole catalog, but I just don't think that that's enough of a draw to keep people there. Yeah, I guess. So, yeah. Especially since a lot of those shows you can actually get on things like Netflix and Hulu. So, you know, at some point that's going to change and then you're going to have to get a new subscription service for every potential outlet. Which is going to be freaking annoying, if you ask me, because you have the Disney one coming up soon. Yeah. Um, so so everything, yeah. really everything from ABC is going to go onto that instead of Netflix and Hulu. Right. And then they're going to be, you know, if you want new Clone Wars, it's going to be on the new on the new Disney service. Um, all the Star Wars movies are soon going to be just on Disney. Then they, they're going to pull all the Marvel stuff off of off of Netflix. It'll only be on Disney. And, and to me, it's just the maddening part is how. And again, we've discussed this in previous podcasts. It's like all they're nickel and diming us to death. I mean, yeah. I pay my I pay my eight nine bucks for Netflix every month. I don't even think about it. Um, but you want me to subscribe now? And but I don't subscribe to Hulu. I don't I don't subscribe to any other type of of, of streaming service because those things add up over time. You know. And, yeah. And well, well of- I actually you know I'm a, I'm a cord cutter, so I don't do cable TV. I I do uh, Hulu live TV. And, you know, to your point, when you, you know, it used to be like a huge cost savings to, to do that. And uh, now when you add up each individual thing, it, it ends up being a wash as far as cable. The only reason that, uh, you know, the only advantage that you have being a cord cutter is you can, I can, tomorrow I can decide I'm not going to do Netflix anymore. Um and, uh, you know, it, it was interesting because there was a there were a couple original Netflix movies that dropped uh, on August 1st. And I saw like two or three, you know, hot takes on social media and in a few news outlets saying, you know, Netflix is literally green lighting everything like, you know, there's. If you have an idea, literally, you should call Netflix because they will greenlight it and make it for you. And I think that there's there's probably some truth to that. And and the reason that that would actually be happening is because eventually they're going to lose all the Disney stuff and the CBS stuff and the Fox stuff. And so they're only going to be left with the Netflix original stuff. So they got to have enough volume that people are going to continue to pay for it. Well, yeah, with maybe they'll they'll bring back sharknado you know they could I, stopping with with six they said that's the last the last sharknado which i go i'm gonna call bs <laughs> oh people watch sharknado six they're making a seven 
I mean, it's heaven. So yeah. you you know you know Sharknado Six is going to be a a cliffhanger, and they're and they're going to be like, all right, if you insist, we'll make another one. So, uh, uh, and I I don't know how much how much is um, CBS All Access cost. Uh, is it seven ninety nine? It's um, like four ninety nine with commercials and seven ninety nine without it. Without right? Because yeah. I was even doing like the WWE Network, and they're like nine ninety nine, and they have a huge catalog of things. Plus, they have their original programming, and like every pay per view that's ever occurred on 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 um, in wrestling. And uh, even that, I'm like, eh, it's it's just it adds up over time. It just it's too much. I can't I can't afford it. So, I, I'm you're gonna be seeing a lot more if you ask me with a lot of these streaming services. I think you're gonna see a lot more pirating going on. You see a lot of folks oh. going, oh, where can I find the stream for that? We're gonna get that because if if all I want to do is watch one show. You know, I mean, well, I mean, that's that's actually um, yeah, that's a good point. But uh, if you just want to watch one show, there aren't many that aren't on uh, Amazon. And then there are many that you just can't <laughs> you can't stream illegally too. Well, that's true. You know, so, so I I think um, the the well, it's still the economics of it are still. Um, I think still developing. It's still very nascent. And now with, again, because remember, everyone thought Netflix, the Netflix guys were stupid. Yeah. And on top of that, they lost so much money in the beginning. I mean, Netflix lost, you know, how many millions, if not billions of dollars in the very beginning. And he just kept chugging along, kept chugging along. And now everyone looks at them as like the, the, the standard of streaming services and everyone's trying to copy that model. So, well, I guess the good news, the thing that's improved is that, um, you know, and and I remember Will Wheaton uh, had a had a tweet storm about this, you know, maybe maybe two, three years ago where he was he was basically telling studios, listen, I want to pay you to watch your stuff. So how come you're not letting me? And the good news is that we've we've gotten to a point where you can watch anything you want. It's just a matter of now we have to figure out, okay, what does paying for it actually look like? Right. In in a way that's equitable and in a way that people will pay. It's, you know, it's really, it's, again, it's that the whole capitalism supply and demand thing, except it just gets, it just gets manipulated so much. So, oh, well, I I just, I just hope, well, you know, Jean-Luc Picard's worth, I'm sorry, Patrick Stewart's worth 70 million. So. It's, he's not doing it for the money. No, no, he's not. <laughs> Don't worry about him getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> but but the good news is that uh, so now instead of paying because because I pay I'm cheap so I pay for the the four ninety nine CBS All Access with the commercials. So now I'm going to have Star Trek Discovery, The Twilight Zone, assuming it ends up being good. And the Patrick Stewart series, so I got at least at least two. You know, instead of me paying four ninety nine a month to watch one series, now I'm paying four ninety nine to watch two, maybe three. So things are looking up there. And you still get commercials. Yeah, but you know, I mean, I'll live with it's that. It's like it's it's Tom Sawyer's picket fence. You're you're <laughs> you're paying them to watch commercials. What well, that? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
you know. <laughs> but I'm paying him. I'm paying him a little less. I have the option, and I know that. So it's not Tom Sawyer's picket fence quite, but it's close. Yes, this here is one great fence. I'm telling you, people all over are going to want to paint this fence. Now I'll let you paint this fence, okay? For five ninety nine, you can paint this fence, but you're going to have to bring your own paint. For seven ninety nine, <laughs> I'll give you the paint to paint the fence with. <laughs> Oh, that is kind of what they're doing. I, I've been had. <laughs> to me, I'm still, I'm still, I mean, I'm old, I'm old enough to remember the beginning of cable and how they said that once you, you know, when you started paying for cable television, you'd never have television, uh, television ads again. And wasn't that a load of malarkey? Yeah. Think about that. Like, uh, you know, so, so things like, uh, you know TNT you're paying to watch TNT because you're paying for cable but you're still watching commercials right it's like the toll road you know how they say we're going to build a toll road and eventually the toll road is going to pay for itself and then it'll be free and that's a bunch of bull everyone knows in the history of man never has a toll road ended up being free uh, never has it ended up being free and never has it uh, paid for schools the way that they always say that everything is supposed to. No, nor do casinos. But anyway, that's a different no. show. <laughs> so speaking of beloved characters returning, um, you know, I, you know, back up a little bit. I've said all along that I think that eventually they will end up doing some sort of CGI thing with uh, with Princess Leia in, in episode nine. And um you know, this week they announced that, uh, you know, they have some unused footage from uh, episode seven that they're going to use to work uh, Carrie Fisher into the story in uh, Star Wars episode nine. Um, I, I think they're, you know, first of all, since nobody's seen the unused, unused footage, uh, to my knowledge, they could actually CGI it up and nobody would know the difference. So that may be just be their way of covering things. Uh, but but anyway, they're going to get uh, Princess Leia in, uh, considering the fact that uh, none of the unused footage was setting up, um, you know, her eventual, uh, you know, her eventual death. Uh, I doubt that, you know, I'm not sure how that's going to factor in, but I guess we'll see. Um, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I do find that interesting. I mean, it's something that actually George Lucas uh, pioneered in the prequels where he liked taking all different um, he had all this footage he took shot after shot after shot after shot of, of the actors doing things and even though he might not have a complete shot that he liked he could cobble together different shots and use um, use it to make an overall shot that he he um, was happy with well the most famous one was probably uh, in the special edition where uh, they added Jabba the Hutt in later yeah, but even that, it was like he had, there's this one I, I saw in, the, in one of the behind-the-scenes documentaries about Attack of the Clones where there was a scene with uh, uh, Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman, and they're, ta- they're on Naboo together, and they're, um, it's the whole, you know, it's the I hate sand speech, you know. And um, Oh, I'm this, aware of it. <laughs> and... Um, there's a bit where they were, I guess, Lucas really liked the expressions that they had on their face, but uh, uh, Christensen, like, he did something with his hand in a different take that 
that Lucas really liked. So he like took both takes and combined the expressions on one with Hayden Christensen's hand in another, which you're like, oh, that's kind of creepy when you think about it. He, you know, like almost like cut and paste his hand motions from another another scene into this one. Well, that that was and, fine, but I thought it was a little weird for him to face swap the two of them. <laughs> Yeah, who knew that they had that that they had a Snapchat in Star Wars? Yeah, it was amazing. <clears throat> but but yeah, so this whole idea of you know, CGIing people, you know, they've they've it's you know Forrest Gump, right? Yeah, you know, so it's it's there, and the, and I don't know, but yeah, at the same time, yeah, I'm like, you're yeah, they could be prepping a whole bunch of things. With her, uh, you know, to me, I would be like, just make her look like a hologram, you know. What? And then that's that's how you bring her in. I, I'm I'm really surprised that they sort of box themselves in, um, you know, in saying, oh, we're not gonna we're not gonna you build a, a CGI character or anything like that. Um, especially if you're committing to having her in the film, you, you know, it's one thing for for you to. You know, if their way of, of since apparently episode nine was supposed to like focus very heavily on Leia, um, you know, obviously they have to change the story drastically. Um, you know, uh, unless you were going to do it right at the beginning and say, you know, in the crawl, say, you know, this is the re- this is the new rebellions slash, you know, resistance. It is their most desperate hour because now they've lost Luke Skywalker and Prin- Princess slash General Leia. And then, you know, like the first scene is, say, Leia's funeral. If you're going to do it that way, that gives you a, a, a pretty good tribute to her. And it shows sort of the impact that she has in the story and, you know, all the actors and everything. But if you're going to actually try to work her in the story, uh, it seems like they're really, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what they can do to give her a satisfying conclusion if they're only going to use footage that already already exists and they're not going to do anything with with you know anything anything drastic with cgi you know it, it, it seems to me you're going to end up in a situation like with uh, with akbar where they just you know one minute she's in the story with this uh, with this unused footage and then the next minute we find out she died off camera. Like, if they're not going to do CGI, it seems like that's what we're going to end up with. Yeah, I, I, I'll just put it in in the, the 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 talented hands of Industrial Light and Magic and J.J. Abrams. So I guess J.J. Abrams felt he has enough footage of Carrie Fisher. Um, to be able to do that. My whole thing is, if it's all from The Force Awakens, then she's going to be back in her General Leia outfit. So Hey, she could have changed her clothes. There's no reason. She probably had a change of clothes on the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, mean, I don't. Uh, when did he do this? Oh, hey, no, that's right. She did. She wore a different outfit, like at the end of the movie. Hey, hey, rem- so. remember? Uh, you know, Lando had his big closet full of capes that we had never seen before. So there's a closet somewhere on the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> she had a change of clothes there. Well, the closet could have been in that part of the Falcon that got blown up in 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 Solo. Uh, that's yeah. You know, that's the, a the that's a valid point. Be there. 
Because, I mean, to me, I mean, I'd always wondered, where is the bathroom on the Millennium Falcon? They never show a bathroom. It, it's the same place as uh, the bathrooms on the Enterprise. You know, well, where are the bathrooms on the... You know, that's to me the thing. Like, my, my theory is that there are no bathrooms on the Enterprise. There's just a room where you go in and you tell the transporter, transporter, computer, evacuate my bowels. And he uses like a transporter uh, um, signal to just like teleport it out of your belly, out of your bowels and into the into the matrix where it gets recycled in the food. Uh, well, maybe that's a that's a debate for next week. Uh, are there bathrooms on the Enterprise? <laughs> and if so, where are they? Um so uh yeah yeah that'll be it'll be interesting um you know i it seems like uh uh you know based on what he said that uh you know jj abrams had enormous respect and affection for carrie fisher so i assume that whatever they come up with it's gonna be uh you know it's gonna be you know tastefully done and um you know even if even if it's 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 you know, kind of a stretch story-wise, uh, it'll be something that, you know, won't embarrass anybody. Yeah, because I'm sorry. I'm, I'm one of the, f- I mean, I, I'm, I know I'm not the only one, but I'm one of the few folks who, I was not a fan of the the Uncanny Valley, you know, Princess Leia from Rogue One, you know. More more than uh, um, uh, uh, Peter Cushing, uh the- Tarkin, Tarkin. Yeah. Why, why was I drawing Tarkin. a blank on Tarkin? Yeah, both of them. I know because there were certain scenes where they nailed it, where it's like, and I thought, um, oh, Tarkin's making a cameo. That That's okay. Weird, but okay. And holy crap, he's back again? What, he figures into the plot? <laughs> so, yeah. No, it, it, it's it's interesting because I had the same thought when I was watching uh, Rogue One that I thought that, uh, you know, the first scene where you see Tarkin and it was it was pretty well done that it was basically just to to sort of let you know, hey, yeah, this is the same world from uh, from A New Hope. And now that then he ended up showing up again, not quite so yeah. well done. And I mean, you could it was easy doing Vader because Vader's essentially a guy in a costume. So. Um, but oh, I like to think that was actually Hayden Christensen in the costume. He just he just never told anybody. <laughs> no, it wasn't him. You know, we know who it was, and it wasn't Hayden Christensen. Poor well, guy. You know, that's okay. You know, the guy the guy isn't even acting anymore. I mean, you know. Well, if you, every week there's a rumor he's going to be in episode nine. Oh, to appear as a force ghost. Yeah, or or something. Yeah. So let's see. That's uh, that's how we'll leave uh, this Star Wars discussion. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see, man. Uh, and also, somewhat, somewhat sad. Yeah. <laughs> but you won't be sad if you go in search of uh, headphones and uh, audio accessories from Tweaked Audio. Oh no, because uh, Tweaked Audio, one of the sponsors of Geek Counter Geek, has. Um, key features like eight colors and styles um, mic'd and non-mic'd versions they also now have new wireless earbuds if you're interested in those they're designed to sound great for music and talk you can use them for um, listening to music on your phone on your mp3 player co-op gaming answering phone calls 
They have a noise-reducing design, a lifetime warranty. And if you go to tweakedaudio.com, again, that's tweakedaudio.com, and use the discount code GCG at checkout, you'll get 33% off and free worldwide shipping. Again, enter the discount code GCG at checkout. You'll get 33% off and free worldwide shipping. The code the code is not case sensitive. And of course, once you've gotten that high quality uh, audio equipment from Tweaked Audio, you'll want to listen to the many wonderful podcasts on the Radio Misfits podcast network, including Caffeinated Comics, where they're talking about the, uh, the Teen Titans go to the movies. Um, which is uh, probably not one um, not, not one that was on my my list to immediately see, but uh, who knows? Maybe they can convince me. Uh, there's also, of course, the dishing bitches, and uh, on Minutia Men, uh, Rick and Dave are uh, talking about a number of things, including uh, a story that I saw during the week with uh, a zoo that was trying to pass off donkeys painted as zebras. Um, which which you can't do. But they also talked to a former ABC News anchor, Joel Daly. And, you know, Rick is kind of, uh, you know, in, in just about every episode, he's talking about a brush with uh, a celebrity from his, uh, you know, his illustrious uh, radio uh, career. And I actually have a Joel Daly story, amazingly. Get out. Get yeah, out, it, was, really? it, was my, uh, it was my second day at, uh, at WGN during my brief glorious run there. Where uh, I was, I had just arrived for work, and I was uh, getting into the elevator. And there's this. I, I'll just, I'll just say that uh, to me, he didn't look recognizable. It just looked like a an older gentleman in the elevator. And uh, literally, he introduces himself to me and says, "Hey, I'm Joel Daly. I used to be on uh, ABC News here in Chicago. I was the guy who yodeled." I remember Joel Daly as a kid. Again, really, really young. Um, Joel Daly and Fahey Flynn. And I'm telling you, Joel Daly helped me learn learn English as a little kid, as a little Spanish-speaking Puerto Rican. If I had seen him, I would have been like, Mr. Daly, you helped me learn English. That's pretty cool. Uh, did, did you learn how to yodel, though? No, I could never do that. Um, I'm not that good at and I mean, there are things you got to do with your tongue that I would have asked Joel Daly for other kinds of pointers if he could yodel. Moving on. <laughs> Please. <laughs> so, uh, so you asked a, a question on social media that ended up creating quite a, a, a firestorm, really. Yeah, it's um, something that I've been thinking about as of late, and this all originated on Twitter uh, last week when Elliot, after having a bit of imbibement. A few uh, tasty adult beverages. A few tasty adult beverages and feeling kind of, you know, feeling kind of frisky, wanting to go stir something up. And especially these days on social media, when everything just gets so heated and people get so angry, I thought I'd ask take a fun question. I started by um, lightly trolling Patrick Zercher. Um, he's an artist for uh, uh, artist for both Marvel and DC Comics. He's done some great stuff. I became a fan of Patrick's when he was doing a run on Iron Man. Uh, back um, a, a few years back, and now he's doing stuff like with DC with Superman and, and other titles. Um, he made a comment about 
these he doesn't understand why how there's this whole Marvel versus DC thing. Um, there is Marvel fandom, DC fandom. You know, you have the Marvel. We call them the Marvel, the Marvel zombies. That was always what you called yourself if you were a diehard Marvel fan. And uh, these days, it's DC fanboys. So it was. Mar- it's always Marvel versus DC. Who you know, which is which characters are better, which company is better. And he goes, I don't understand. You can't. He goes, I don't get this whole. You can't be a fan of one versus the other. It's like I don't get this Marvel versus DC because I'm a fan of both. I like both companies. I like both, both the characters from both worlds. Well, for me, it's almost like saying I like. Uh... You know, books that are published by Simon and Schuster, but uh, Penguin, oh, you you guys can pound sand, <laughs> right? So, but then so which I was like, oh, okay, I go. So I kind of I do the bit when I think someone I want to make it instead of just replying to the comment because not everyone who sees my comments necessarily going to know what I'm talking about. I retweeted that with my own comment saying that's kind of like saying. You're a fan of both the Mets and the Yankees. That's just crazy talk, you know. <laughs> Which, you know, and uh, uh, I'll get into how I really feel about that. Um, but um, it's it's funny when we talk about fandom, all right, in general. When we talk about how can you, you know, Marvel versus DC, Star Wars versus Star Trek. And, you know, those are the two that jump to mind, but I'm sure that there are others that, you know, you know oh yeah, GoBots versus Transformers. Uh, <laughs> Is there anybody who would actually pick the GoBots? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm, I am the GoBots of, of, of love. I mean, that's what I am. Anyway, so, <laughs> oh, my girlfriend's going to kill me if she hears this. Um, so um, it's it's funny that you look at that and you go, why is it, why does it fall into that? I mean, um, why can you not be a fan of the Mets and the Yankees if you're from New York? I mean, here in Chicago, any Chicagoan knows there's this funny thing. You know, we have the White Sox and the Cubs and the, the Sox, the White Sox, White Sox fans get incredibly militant. And, you know, a lot of them just do nothing but deride. They talk about the Cubs all the time and how they hate the Cubs and they don't want the Cubs. I know, I know some White Sox fans who talk about the Cubs more than they talk about the White Sox. White Sox, right? And then you have Cub fans like they're like, "There's another team in Chicago." What? I, I've never a White Sox, never heard of them. But anyway, <laughs> so but it's just I find it, it's silly because um, you know because I remember when the White Sox won the World Series in two thousand five. That was two thousand five. Yes, two thousand five. Right. Um, suddenly everyone in Chicago was a White Sox fan and you had like uh, how many yeah like uh, how many hundreds of thousands of people showing up for the parade where were they when the team was playing is my question they were, you know it'd be nice to have them there and then of course you know the Cubs won theirs and that was their bit anywho this whole idea that when you are a fan of a particular sports team it seems like we accept the tribalism of that, and yet we don't necessarily want to accept the tribalism of, like, as you said, Marvel versus DC. Publishers? Really? You know, yeah. Why Penguin versus Tor? Oh, no. You know, I'll tell you. 
Tor rules all. <laughs> um, it, 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 why does fandom break down that way? Why is it? Why is tribalism acceptable in some? And not in others. And I'm here to tell you right now, as someone who has plenty of fun, um, kind of like poking fun at the other side of whatever. Like um, anyone who follows me on social media and my little brother knows that no, we constantly bicker back and forth. Marvel versus DC, specifically Marvel movies versus DC movies. And you know, and, well, that that's just, uh, you know, based on how DC is done with. Uh, with most of their movies, that's uh, seems like it would be a somewhat one-sided debate. You would think, you would think, but my friend, we are in, we are in a world of alternate facts, and every opinion <laughs> counts, even when you're completely wrong. <laughs> so, you know, my deluded little brother, poor thing. I know my mom shouldn't have smoked when she was pregnant with him. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> she didn't. She didn't. Mom, my mom's gonna kill me if she ever listens to this. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people lining up. To, to take a shot at you now. It's gonna be it's gonna be like that scene in Airplane. Where yeah, with the with the hysterical woman. Yeah, hysterical woman. that's like yeah. me at work, actually. <laughs> anyway, so even though I have had plenty of fun chiding my little brother and 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 just buying into or playing into the whole tribalism of it, I'm gonna tell you this right now. Yes, you can be a fan of both Marvel and DC. You can be a fan of anything. You can be a fan of all things. Just like you can be a fan of the Cubs and the White Sox. Yes, you can be a fan of the Bears and Gasp, the Green Bay Packers. Oh, let's not go nuts here, Elliot. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you can be a fan. If you're if you're a fan of sports, you can be a fan of as many teams in that sport as you want. Uh, to me, I'm saying at this point, this tribalism baloney it's 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 all in illusion so folks it's the red pill and the blue pill which one are you going to take yeah i mean you mentioned tribalism and i think you know so much of uh, every debate that we have now is just us trying to feel superior to the the you know the unnamed them and uh <laughs> and i think that that's that's all it is it's just sort of a geeky extension of that yeah, it's it's uh, it's to me, um, especially with fandom. Let me let me let me real quick. I'm gonna pull up. Let me pull up my uh, Facebook page because I did post that on my page, and then I started getting some different um, comments on the poll. So, uh, what I would say, folks who are listening, if um, you go to the Geek Counter Geek Facebook page. We're going to make it a, a point of putting more of these polls up before we actually discuss it on um, on the show, and then you know give us your opinions. So then that way we can you know really just uh, we can um, include your opinions as well. Uh, but I like Wendy Vermeer says because I put down. Um, uh, the poll question on the Geek Counter Geek page was, if you can be a fan of Marvel and DC, Star Wars and Star Trek, etc., can you also be a fan of more than one sports team, i.e. Cubs and White Sox, Giants and Jets? Oh, my goodness. Giants and Jets fans. They they really go at it. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, you see you see them walking down the street towards each other, snapping their fingers. It's it's really uh, it's really something. 
unless they don't have a really good choreographer, then then it's a mess. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah that's 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 a shame. But <laughs> but Wendy Vermeer says these are two different things and not parallel in comparison. Star Trek is not competing with Star Wars, whereas sports ball teams are often competing with each other. To which I responded, but pro sports are all in it together to make money, so the quote unquote competition is really a facade. So it's like um, the Chicago Bears are not trying to put the New York Giants or even the Green Bay Packers out of business. You know, no, a lot, a lot of times there's actually revenue sharing involved. Exactly. They want, they need that competition. So you can't have just one sports team you need multiple sports teams you need them all to be successful you need parity so to speak unlike marvel and dc where they they are really trying to put each other out of business i mean marvel and dc are they flood the market with their product wanting you to buy their stuff as opposed to the competitors and i'll even go so far as star trek and star wars star trek and star wars you can be a fan of both but don't tell me that that paramount isn't gain you know gunning for those quote-unquote dollars those star wars dollars that they're trying to get that fan and get their money as opposed to seeing it go to disney so um to say that they're not you know that they're two different things and not parallel in comparison eh, i would say that there's more competition between marvel and dc more true competition thus justifying the tribalism than there is within sports well, yeah, it's probably a little different during the, uh, you know, in the digital age. And, you, and you'd know more about this uh, than I would. But it seems like, um, you know, like the, the Chicago Bears, no matter how badly they do, they're going to continue to exist. Um, you know, if a uh, if if you decide to choose one comic or over one comic over another, it's possible that that might not exist anymore. It might not exist because, yeah. again, because of the competition of it. So um, and then here goes. A, um, let's go back to the Facebook here. Um, Michael Marquis Albright's comments. If you tighten that up to, quote, two competing sports teams in the same region, unquote, that becomes harder to answer, which I would think if you're talking about two competing sports teams in the same region, then you might see, again, that comp- really that competition. Um, more of that direct competition for the fan dollar. I mean, here it's up with the Cubs and White Sox, right? I mean, um, uh, the White Sox fans in that's the re- reality is, is they're in the minority. There aren't as many White Sox fans in the city of Chicago as there are Cubs fans. So they are always trying to compete and get more of that baseball fan dollar. Um, so you can see a justification or true competition there. So to me, I'm saying um when it comes to fandom in general, as far as tribalism, you can tell me, A, um, yes, I'm justified in in holding, keeping with my tribe. I can come with just as many reasons to knock it down as build you up (laughs) in all the different areas. So to me, I'm going, I, I would guess, when it comes to fandom in general, what does that really serve us now? What does it really serve us in anything, not just 
um, um, entertainment, not just Marvel DC, but also in sports. Because, um, you know, I mean, what is it that um, happens in sports, right? I'll go back to Wendy, which is, um, um, she makes a good point. Um, Wendy says, in, uh, the, that's how teams make their money, by creating diehard fans who root for one team over another to sell merchandise. You know, um, you need you need that sort of tribalism there to get those dollars. All right. We get it, Wendy. We need geek counter geek merch. We're, we're working on it. Ooh, I want some geek, uh, some geek counter geek uh, baseball jerseys, hockey jerseys, and then basketball jerseys, which will only sell around Lollapalooza because that's the only time anyone will wear them. Makes you know, sense. So, yeah. 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 Uh, j- just remember, Elliot, it's entirely permissible to be a fan of both Marvel and DC, but it's not acceptable in decent society to be a Mets fan. <laughs> uh, wait, who said that? Hold on. Let me check this page here. Um, ah, really, Keith? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, uh, let me look here. Um, again, you know, we love uh, if you write to us, if you comment on our Facebook page, trust me, Keith and I both read the comments and we, we like commenting on them. Uh, we'll have discussions with you as well. Um, yes, my little brother, of again, um, had to chime in. The question is flawed. It is well known. You can either only either be pro Marvel or DC. Anything else is heresy. That's you know. So to which to which I will say to my little brother, I will paraphrase Homer Simpson. Marge, don't you get tired of being wrong all the time? Don't you ever get tired of being wrong all the time? So if you like this conversation that we had debating fandom and so on, what Keith and I would like to ask you this. What is the next hot versus topic that you want Keith and I to debate? Will it be Marvel versus DC, Star Trek versus Star Wars, Hulk versus Superman? Um, give us your topic give us your two sides and keith and i will take an opposing side whether we believe in it or not we're (laughs) going to research it we're going to go at it here on the podcast and then you the geek counter geek listener are going to tell us your verdict who won the debate was it keith was it me and you know just so you know it's usually gonna be me but hey a broken clock is worth is right twice a day so keith will be due every once in a while so anyway (laughs) tell us on the geek counter geek facebook page comment to us on twitter let us know what are the topics that you want us to debate here on the geek counter geek podcast the takes have never been hotter The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at RadioMisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cabotron.